Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Welcome into the DMVR Bucks podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today's the day the Avs are going to win the Stanley Cup. And people get all nervous when you say things like that, and they're like, oh, I got to knock on wood, whatever. I'm just confident, and I'm happy with saying it out loud that today there's a good chance it's going to be the best day of my life. Um, so, with that out of the way, at least for the first like 30 seconds, um, today we have a couple things we're going to talk about. First of all, Jabari Walker was drafted, headed to Portland. Also, Phil McGagan was promoted to assistant head coach. I wasn't sure if it was associate head coach or assistant head coach. Assistant head coach. Um, we are talking about that today. I've got such a busy day. It's now 1230. I've gotten so much stuff done. There's so much more to do. Um, like, start drinking. Honestly, you know what? I'm going to pause this. I'm going to go grab a quick little beerio, and uh, this is going to be a beer cast. And that we're actually doing back-to-back beer cast, so I'm excited about that. All right, I'm back. Um, some weird options in the fridge. I'm out of Breckenridge beers, which is a shame um, because, you know, Avalanche and Avalanche. Um, but what I did find was a Jose Cuervo sparkling margarita. It's, uh, it's a little sugary, it's a little sugary, especially for the first drink of a day in which there could be several. Um, it is what it is. Like I said, it's a busy day. I've got this podcast. Right after this, we're going to be talking about a couple of commits that came in in the last cu- uh, couple of days. And then I also have an interview from Travis Gray that I never published. I was just looking back through all my stuff like, oh, what are we, what are we talking about? What are we writing about? over the course of June and July, realized that I never played that. So 
in the next podcast in your feed, which will show up. Honestly, I'll probably just publish them at the same time. It's probably there right now. Um, there's that on the way as well. So I'm doing that, knocking both those out. Uh, I'm leaving for Montana tomorrow at, what is it? It was, I think the flight leaves at 8.30 a.m., which means there's a good chance I will not be sleeping. Um, And I'm also coming back. I think our flight leaves to come back at 6.30 on Sunday, which is also a very early flight. But it sounds like if the Avs win tonight, the parade's on Monday. It would have been a quick turnaround for it to be on Sunday, but I wasn't. I, I'm not taking the risk of missing the parade. I'm just gonna, after getting COVID over Christmas and not seeing my family, then uh, taking a little 24-hour trip up for my cousin's wedding. Also, I was hoping to buy new pants. Uh, weddings in Montana are rough. Weddings in Montana are really rough. Like down here and in most places, I think you like you just put on a suit. Just put on a suit, and if you go to a wedding in Montana in a suit. Everybody's like, oh, who's this guy? Who's this Wall Street big shot? Blah, 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 blah. You know, so uh, I will be, I need to find another pair of pants. I've got a nice sport coat, gray, a little bit of plaid to it. Um, nice sharp white shirt underneath since it's summer. Um, I'll be sweating through that. But then, I, yeah, I, I need to find a pair of pants because I'm kind of, I'm slackless right now if I'm being honest. Um, so there we go. There's the update on my life. Today is either going to be the best day of my life or I'm going to be very, very sad. Um, We can talk about the things you care about, though, which is not what's up with me and my Jose Cuervo sparkling margarita, which has been there for a very long time. I had friends come over. What did they come over for? It was there was an Avs game and a Nuggets game. Avs played. I don't know. It's been a while. It's been there for months. Today was the day. Um, Jabari, the J-Man. He, like I said, is headed to Portland where he will be reunited with head coach Chauncey Billups. Actually, I'm not sure if you can call it reunited because I'm not sure if they even know each other at all, but they will because that's where Jabari's going. Um, He was the 57th pick in the draft. Second to last pick, um, I had gotten to the point where, like, as soon as you hit pick 54, it's like, oh, no. There's five left, including the 54th pick. There's a lot of players who, like, they looked like they were going to be gone 15 picks ago. Everybody's surprised they're still here. At least Kendrick Perkins is, that guy who's, <laughs> whose judgment we care about, his thoughts we care about. So, I mean, you just get into kind of that dark place, which is weird, though, because... You know, we went through all these mock drafts. There are 26 two-round mock drafts that I found in the first, like, four or five pages of Google News. And Jabari was chosen in 14 of the 26. So, obviously, 13 of 26 would be 50%, so just over 50%. And when he was chosen, on average, it was at 52 and a half. And so, like, you get to 54, and it's like, oh, no, it's not going to happen. But really... That's where there was a chance of it happening, right? Like, there, it was unlikely he was going to go before that point. Um, you know, got all the notifications on. You're just waiting and waiting. And then, bang, Woj says, the Portland Trailblazers are interested in Jabari Walker with the 57th pick of the draft. And you're like, oh, wow, it's really going to happen. Which is cool for me. Because in terms of having to... I mean, I'm not really covering the draft. It's just writing about whatever happens with Jabari. But 
ideally, he's like the second pick in the draft. You got a slotted contract, all this simple stuff, guaranteed for four years. You start writing it. I mean, what draft is at six? You start writing it like six ten. Instead, you know, it's pick fifty seven. You uh, you start your work day at ten thirty at night, and uh, you know it, it is what it is. Um, in terms of like important notes, I mean, where does this leave Jabari? First of all, he's he's headed to summer league. That I think the first game for Portland is July seventh at seven o'clock. You can remember that because it's seven seven at seven our time. It'll be on ESPN, not ESPNU, not ESPN two, not ESPN news. Just the full on actual ESPN. Uh, so we'll see how Jabari does. And to be honest, I think he's going to be really good in summer league. Um, because the summer league competition is just a step below the NBA, and that's where Jabari really should shine. You know, it, we say the combine didn't go great for Jabari, but that's just the measurements and the testing. In terms of actually playing basketball at the combine, he looked good. He looked like he should be there, and he looked like one of the better players out there. And so I do think the rebounding is going to show. Because of the rebounding, he's going to have a, a pretty easy path, honestly, to a, maybe not double-double, but at least double-digit points because he'll get those easy looks inside. You know, these guys are a little bit bigger than what you see at the Combine, but they're not full-on NBA size. And where Jabari's probably going to struggle early on is against the full-on NBA-sized NBA players, uh, which is famously where most of them are. Um, So, I have pretty high hopes for Jabari at Summer League. Obviously, we'll be paying attention to those games, seeing how he does. Um, In terms of just kind of like, where he's at organizationally, I think a, a, a big summer league would go a long way. Uh, so first-round draft picks, they'll have fully guaranteed four-year contracts. So that means you get them at whatever the slotted value is, $3 million a year or $8 million a year, depending on where you go. Um, and, and that team just has you signed up for that number, fully guaranteed. There really isn't anything at all to negotiate um, even in the NFL, there's some negotiations over how much is guaranteed, that sort of thing. Um, but in the NBA, every contract is fully guaranteed. So it's kind of as simple as that. The second round is wide open. Um, there's, there's no rules to contracts there. So if a player wants to, he can say, you know what, I'm not going to take this contract because if you, I can sit out and wind up signing somewhere else or I can whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, they don't have like a whole lot of, um, you know, what are you like pull in the negotiations, a whole lot of uh, blanking on this word. Um, they, they aren't coming in from a dominant spot. They don't have a lot of threats. They don't have a Oh, what is that word? I'm, I feel so dumb. That's what happens when you have one sip of a sparkling margarita in a can. Um, so I think that about two thirds of all second round draft picks wind up with at least one year guaranteed. So uh, a one year contract with a guaranteed, you know, salary for that year. Um, I would guess that Jabari is probably going to wind up on a two way contract, which means he can spend whatever 15 games in the NBA, 20 games in the NBA. I don't know what the number is, but the rest of the time in the G League. Um, so. Again, he's he's not ready for the NBA. He needs a year in the G League. Uh, looking through that roster, 
I mean, first of all, I mean, they don't have like a strong need for a power forward right now, mostly because they went and got Jabari Walker, sorry, uh, Jeremy Grant uh, on Wednesday, the day before the draft. They made a big trade. And so with him there, they have that, uh, what is his name, Justice, is it Justice Winslow that they have? I have it written down here. I think it's Justice Winslow. As soon as you start saying names on a podcast, you're like, yeah, is that really a name? Um, Yes, it is Justice Winslow. At the position, they also have Drew Eubanks and Greg Brown, a couple younger guys. I don't think there's really a path for Jabari to to get a full contract this year, and I could be off on that. It, It could be that a big summer league convinces Chauncey that he wants him on the roster this year, that there's things for him to do this year you probably want him in the g league just to get those reps um but you know the the if there is a path it would be through beating out greg brown beating out drew eubanks and proving that you're the third best power forward on this roster um and you know even then they might say yeah you're third best what does that mean well if one of these guys gets hurt then you can get eight minutes a game otherwise you're just playing garbage time is that worth it or do you want him just getting 25 minutes a game, 30 minutes a game, playing in the G League. And that's why that path is probably what's going to happen. Um, Still, though, they got to work out those contract details. Um, No announcement as of yet, uh, but a two-way deal is definitely what is expected here. Um, You know, we mentioned this before, but this is about where you expected him to go. Um, I don't think that going 57... I don't think going 57 is a big win or loss for Jabari. I think getting drafted at all was a good, probably solid place to be. You know, if you're 55 to 58, it's like, yeah, that's kind of what we expected. Uh, If he had been undrafted, but one of the first guys who you hear they got a two-way deal or or whatever last night, then that would also be kind of what's expected. Um, if If you're able to get from... You know, I mean, if, you, if you're able to get into the 40s, that would have been a big win for Jabari. Um, the the early 50s, even the mid, yeah, early 50s would have been like, ah, okay, so, I mean, not much notable about draft position here. Um, if you look at it from the big picture of, you know, what, what would have happened if he would have stayed home, uh, stayed at Colorado for one more year, um, I, th- I think the odds are he would have improved his stock. The odds are he would have improved his draft stock. Um, it's not a guarantee. You know, you need him to put up another good season. I think you you need him to put up better numbers. I, I think you would need him to put up better numbers. Um, just holding serve probably wouldn't do it. And those numbers last year, what, 14.6 points per game? I think that was top five in the Pac-12, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh was it 9.6 rebounds, 9.4 rebounds? That's, those numbers are pretty good. You know, it would have been pretty tough to improve upon those. Now, maybe if he decides to go back and he's able to, you know, get in a little bit better shape, um, maybe shed just a little bit of the baby fat, add a little bit more muscle, get that vertical from 32 inches to 35 inches, things like that would have potentially moved him up if he had held serve. But the reason I think that going back to school probably long-term works out better is because he did have a real chance to be the Pac-12 player of the year. You know, he had 17 double-doubles last year. 
Christian Coloco, who got drafted 15 picks maybe in front of him, he was second with 10. And there's a big gap there. And when you have stats like that that support your case for player of the year, you kind of get the benefit of the doubt. You know, when it comes down to it, it's like, ah, this guy did this, this guy did that. Ah, it's tough to say who's more valuable. Well, this guy did average a double-double. You know, that that sort of thing can be kind of that tiebreaker. So I do think that in a close competition, if he was able to lead Colorado to a tournament appearance, to uh, a top three finish in the pack, um, maybe a tournament run, Pac-12 tournament run as well, I think that he would have had a really good shot to be the, the, the Pac-12 player of the year. And if that's the case, you know, you, you could see him getting into the first round. Um, still, though, it was far from a guarantee that he was going to improve his draft stock. Um, and mostly because I think that if you're an NBA team, how do you look at it? You know, right now, if you draft Jabari, what are you saying to yourself? Well, he's, he's probably got to spend a year in the G League, and then uh, we can see if he's ready to compete for a job next season. Um, and next year you say, yep, now he's ready to compete for a job. So just like the, the bonus that you have of not having to make a kid wait a year, you know, get, not pushing your draft pick back a season essentially, um, that's, that's, worth, uh, that's worth more. You know, I'm not sure whether that moves you up 10 picks or 20 picks or what, um, but that does help. On the other hand, though, by putting him in your program, you get to mold him a little bit. Um, you get to push him. You get to say, this is the, we, we want to work on your jumping. And everything you do is going to be based on getting that vertical up. And we're going to, first of all, control your diet, which doesn't change to make you a jumper, really. Um, but make sure you're eating good foods. And then build your workout plan around strengthening that lower body and getting a little bit of baby fat off. Um, we want to work on speeding up your release on your on your jump shot. Um, whereas maybe if he goes back to Colorado, the emphasis is more on, you know, his jump shot's fine, you know. Sure, he isn't the speedy release knockdown guy, but there's more there's there's more time to get jump shots off in college basketball. We don't need to worry about that so much. That doesn't change our level of success as much as it would um, a, a, an NBA team. And so there's kind of this this push and pull there that I do think that if he if nothing really changes with Jabari, if he follows the expected path. Um, that, that you'd see from him over the course of the next season. Yeah, he probably moves up 5, 10 picks in the draft. Uh, you do throw in the risk, though, that you know what happens if he gets hurt? What, what happens if his, his scoring output falls? What if for a second straight season he, he decreases his three-point percentage? What if you don't see him improve some of the, the physical stats, um, some of the, the, the jumping numbers, the, the agility scores, those sorts of things? Well, then maybe you see him fall out of the draft altogether. You also have the upside of, oh, he's the best player in the Pac-12. We think that he can be a 10-10 and 10 guy in the NBA, too. Well, that's a first-round pick. So was it a good decision for Jabari to, to, to leave for the draft? Probably not. I think, I, I think probably a bad decision. Still, he was able to get his foot in the door with an NBA team and... That's a good place to be, right? Like, it, it, there's there's something to be said for cashing out and saying, you know what? Yeah, I could really improve my draft stock. There's also some risk involved. 
I'm going to get my foot in the door in the NBA. I'm going to get on this two-way contract. I'm going to prove to them I belong. And, and that's, how, that's how I can give myself the best chance in an NBA career. Plus, you know, I, I already get this two-way money for a season beforehand that's, you know, you know, cashing out a bit. Cashing out a bit. Um, so I, I would be a little bit curious to know, you know, is this the move that Jabari wanted to make? Or does this seem worth it? Does he regret his decision at all? Um, and I would, I mean, he would never say he does, you know, and especially at this point. I mean, he's an athlete. He's looking forward. Um, but there is that alternate reality of what happens if he does come back for one more year. And, you know, if, if this winds up being like, uh, I think Spencer Dinwiddie left before people thought he was ready and obviously things worked out for him. Um, Tyler Bay maybe left after he should have. I think there's a strong case we made he should have left a year before. Um, and things didn't work out for him. Um, if if Jabari pans out, it'll be easy to say, "Yep, you made the right call." Um, and if he doesn't pan out, it'll be easy to say, "Wow, one more year might have been the difference." Um, but at this point, it is what it is, and he has an opportunity, and you can't ask for much more than an opportunity. Um, so wish him the best, and we'll be excited to follow along with him as he heads to the Portland Trailblazers with Chauncey Billups. Um, so there we go. Real quick, Breckenridge Brewery is incredible. Um, I mentioned it already. I wish I was drinking Breckenridge beers right now. Those aren't going to come for at least a couple more hours while I work. And to be honest, it makes everything else pretty disappointing. Um, it's probably too late to get in on the awesome offer, which is that if you nominate somebody for the, like as a community hero slash as fan on their website, they might get a chance to go to the game seven. They're picking fans to go. Um, so look into that if it's worth it. I mean, there can't be as many people trying to get in, right? Because it seems like hopefully things end tonight. And if not tonight, then hopefully on Sunday. But Outside of that, you can still buy yourself a Breckenridge beer or an Avalanche in particular. It has to be an Avalanche at any bar. If the Avs score two goals in the first period tonight, you will get a rebate from Breckenridge. You just got to upload this receipt. Just take a picture, send it to Breck, you'll get it, and uh, just the money comes back. It's a free beer, and we love free beer. We also love Breckenridge Brewery because it's the best beer. So definitely pick up some of those for tonight. And also... DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is awesome. I So I, I went through and made so many bets today. So many bets. Um, the, I'm, I'm going to read some of them to you just because I feel like I got some good ones. Um, let's see. Here we go. Oh, I got to log in. I wasn't prepared for this. This is my fault. Um, let's actually let's make this the DraftKings pick of the week. We're going to pick one of these. Um, first of all, I took the Packers to win the NFC and the Avs to win next year's Stanley Cup combined. It's plus 2650, so 26 and a half to one odds. Love that. Um, oh, I took the Broncos to start the season 5 and 0, which is more just because it's fun to have I mean, 9 to 1 odds on that. Um, saves you from betting on some of those games when you're feeling irresponsible. Um, oh, I also uh, combined that with the Nuggets to uh, to 
win the NBA. Oh no, the Western Conference at ninety to one odds. These are so I should say the theme is that these are all long shots. Um, Devonte Adams to have the most receiving yards in the NFL this year at twelve to one odds. Um, I think that people are kind of sleeping on him just because he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers anymore, but they forget that like Derek Carr threw the ball more times for more yards last year, and I think Devonte Adams is going to be used just as much, if not more. Um, Isaiah Spiller at 35-1 to to be the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, I was tempted to take Brees Hall. I think Brees Hall, I I might actually put bets in on both just because I don't think it's going to be a quarterback this year um, because very few rookie quarterbacks are going to be playing. And the rookie quarterbacks who do play, I mean, there's only going to be one or two. Odds are they are pretty bad. Um, So Brees Hall is a good one, but I took Isaiah Spiller just because the odds are insane. 35-1, to and I think that... He might be the best running back in this class, and I think that in that offense, he's actually going to get a lot of touches because they'll want to throw the ball more to Austin Eckler, save him a little bit. Um, Derwin James, Defensive Player of the Year at 35-1. to um, I, I think that he has does so many different things that if there isn't somebody who puts up a crazy sack number, like you don't see somebody get 18 sacks or something this year, that's what gets him in the running, and the fact that that defense in L.A. should be pretty good that could put him over the top. So 35 to 1, I like that. Um, MVP Jonathan Taylor at 50 to 1. Again, these aren't things that I think are going to happen. They're things where I say, 1 in 50, I like his chances better than that. You know, he was in the running late last year. I think the offense should be better, um, which, you know, maybe they throw the ball a little bit more, which scares you, but they should be running more plays as well. Plus, the team success should be a little bit better this season. I think there's a good case for Jonathan Taylor, especially at 50 to 1 odds. I took the Packers to beat the Bills in the Super Bowl, just like specifically 45 to 1 odds. Um, I'd have, ooh, this is, there were a lot of Packers bets. Ohio State to win the SEC, or sorry, to win the Big Ten, parlayed with Bama to win the SEC, parlayed with Utah to win the Pac 12, um, with Green Bay to win the NFC North. 13 and a half to 1 odds. Like, I feel like Ohio State and Green Bay are locks. Bama's 50-50 with Georgia. Utah, 1 in 5, we're sorry, 1 in 2 to 1 in 3, depending on how things play out in the Pac-12. I like that bet. Um, Boston College to win the ACC at 40 to 1. Utah to win the Pac-12, I took separate. So I made a lot of bets today. And honestly, the reason was because all that money hit my account from the Jokic, MVP, and Kale Norris parlay. Um, and also, I should be having quite a bit of money hit my account tonight if the Irvs can pull this off. Um, these are just all my favorite NFL bets, mostly, and some of those college conference ones, too. Um, so there we go. Also, I made quite a bit of money on the NBA draft last night, but we spent too much time on this. In terms of, let's see, DraftKings pick of the week. Let's just make it like an Ohio State. Yeah, here, here's this one. Ohio State to win the Big Ten, parlayed with Bama to win the SEC, parlayed with the Packers to win the NFC North. That's 3-1 to one odds. I think all those things are definitely going to happen. So there we go. There's your DraftKings pick of the week. Ooh, I should say, you can still get in on this bet. New users bet $5 on either NHL team to win their next game. You know which one to choose. Uh, you'll get $100 in free bets just for making that bet. You don't have to get it right. 
Um, although you do get more money if you do get that one right. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR. New customers can bet $5 on either NHL team to win their game. You'll get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's promo code DMVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup Final. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. So, like I said before, Phil McGegan is the new assistant head coach at CU. Um, first of all, I think that – I don't know that you could say this move was predictable. Now that I think of it, I don't know that you could say it's predictable. Um, with the reason being that Colorado hasn't had many assistant head coaches. Um it's actually kind of surprising. I was just looking back through who they were. Mel Tucker made Darren Cheverini the assistant head coach in 2019. Before that, there hadn't been an assistant head coach at CU since... Oh, I should have pulled my story up beforehand. There it is. Um, since the, I think, 2011 and 2012, it was Rip Scherer the quarterback's coach. And before that, I mean, I only look back for like the five years before 2012. So like, but 2007 to 2012, they always had one. Then uh, basically, I mean, most of that's the Mike McIntyre era, no assistant head coaches. Then Mel Tucker comes in and he has one. And then nothing for Carl for the last two years. Now it's time to give that to Phil McGagan. Now, the big reason you do that is to keep those guys happy. Um, it's, it's an easy way to say, oh, you're, you're thinking about leaving. Oh, you have a better offer. Oh, you have whatever. Or maybe just to get out in front of any of that and just say, you know what? We really like you. We think that you're an up and comer and we want to give you a little bit more money, give you an improved title. And hopefully that, that makes you happy here and you'll stay. Um, so there you go. Um, if you look at... Uh, we got a couple quotes out. We should say this. Um, here's from Carl Durrell. Phil has been a valuable addition and has made an immediate impact on our program. He is an excellent position coach and has strong communication skills. And I believe he is a rising star in our profession who has a future as a head coach. Phil said this, I am so grateful to Coach Durrell and the entire CU family for this opportunity. Having the ability to be a direct extension of the core values, leadership, and vision of this pre prestigious university is a true blessing. And the privilege of developing, cultivating, and sustaining meaningful relationships with all the players on this roster is the most inspiring part of this journey. Again, thank you to Carl, Rick George, and everybody connected to the CU program. Now it's time to get to work. So there you go. Um... Again, I mean, is it a surprise? I mean, only in that Colorado hasn't had an assistant head coach, or, or I mean, outside of Chev in, in a decade. Um, so it is a bit of a, a, a twist there. But also, you think about who who do you give those jobs to? Again, it's your up-and-comers, the risers. And if you don't have one, you keep the position open so you can give it to somebody if they need it. Um, so in terms of... Phil McGagan getting a title like that, like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, that is a very experienced coach, which is crazy given how young he is. He's only 42 still. Um, but, I mean, the results speak for themselves with him. You know, there's others you look at, you know, Gerald Chapman, for example. Um, he, he is 
um, a, a kind of an unknown, right? This is the biggest job he's ever had. Uh, he was going to take the Tulane job before he got offered the CU job, and that that uh, that would have been the biggest job he's ever had. So you look at him and say, ah, unproven. Could he be good? Absolutely. Could he not be? For sure. But you know, there there are some question marks there. Uh, this seems like a good time to point out that. I think it was on three sports that named him as one of the the biggest up and comers in college football. I can't remember how many they listed, um, but definitely means something to be put on that list. And we also didn't ever, I don't think, get into him winning the the recruiting battle for the defensive lineman. I think it was Carson Mott, who was, yeah, I think that's right. Um. Yeah, he was committed to Cal. So the reason that's relevant, remember Vic Soto signed up with Colorado in, I think that was December. It might have been early January. I think it was December. Um, never actually signed the contract, was able to back out. I think in February was when that happened. Might have been March. I think it was February um, to go to Cal. And there was drama on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. And then the, the buffs bring in Gerald Chapman, the you know former assistant D-line coach with the Bengals, stuff like that in his background, and all of that happens. And then this kid's committed to Cal and Vic Sawoto, winds up flipping his commitment, going to Colorado with Chapman. So while, I mean, obviously, Sawoto looked like kind of the, the first choice there, right? Because they literally hired him over Chapman, but then they bring in Chapman and they win the recruiting battle. So I don't know. All of this was just to say Gerald Chapman could be a good coach, but he is unproven. Um, Phil McGagan, on the other hand, proven, 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 proven. Um, 15 years of coaching experience, eight in the NFL. You know, you just look through some of the names of the guys he's coached. I mean, uh, uh, three years in L.A. where he coached Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams, Travis Benjamin. Um, He's also coached, I mean... Chad Ochocinco, Greg Jennings, Anquan Bolden, Jarvis Landry, Brian Hartline, Devontae Parker, Jabbar Gaffney, Sammy Watkins, um, Zay Jones was one of his big guys coming out of college. Um, I mean, you can kind of keep going and going. Andre Holmes, um, Jordan Matthews, Brandon Marshall. You know, there's there's Kenny Stills. A lot of a lot of good players in there. Uh, Mike Wallace. Did we mention Mike Wallace? With the, he made his name with the Steelers. Um, but I mean, former players have earned over a billion dollars. Crazy to think about. Um, crazy to think about. Point is, proven receivers coach um, has a really good energy. I think that you know we've talked about this before. Chev was a really good recruiter, a very, very, very good recruiter. I think that. In the past, Colorado hasn't seen as many receivers improve by as much as you'd like while they were at CU. You know, you think about Visca and, and how much did Visca grow as a player. I mean, he was a really good player to start with, so maybe that's a bad example. You know, KD Nixon. KD Nixon probably was best in his younger years. Um, you think about I mean, Daniel Arias. He's kind of been the same guy all the way through, and you can't put all of this stuff just on the coach. Like, sometimes it is just the players, but... I do think that with Phil McGagan here, you do expect a lot of those guys to kick things up a notch. And I think that 
you know, getting getting excited about Daniel Arias last year is probably tougher than it is this year. Um, just because last year, you know, we we've played that game before. You know, last year he was going to be a, he was a 23 year old playing college football. How much better do you expect a 23 year old to get versus what he did before when he, he wasn't all that productive? You know, not much to get excited about. And still, this year there's there's one more year where he didn't produce, but now you have Phil Begagging coming in, and it's like, okay, now there's a new guy trying to trying to unlock him, trying to teach him things. Could that be all that's needed? I think there's a real chance. I think there's a real chance. Um, I think it'd be tough for him to put up the numbers that R.J. Steed is probably going to put up this year. But in terms of the race for number two receivers, I think Daniel Arias should be the pretty clear favorite. Um, and Phil McGagan is a big part of the reason why. So... I don't know. Is there anything else worth talking about here? I mean, we don't need to go back through the story. Undrafted free agent, went to the Broncos, um, was there for 2001, 2002. Carl Durrell was the receivers coach. Um, got into coaching, has coached different NFL places. Um, took took the 2021 season off, basically said that in 2020, you know, that was the, the first COVID season. There were a lot of restrictions. He was coaching out in California. I believe his family was in Miami. You're just not allowed to do much. You're not allowed to travel much. You're kind of bubbled up, making sure you don't get COVID and pass COVID on to the others. So once they hit that second COVID season, he said, oh, I'm going to take one off and be with my family. And then got back into coaching by joining CU staff with Carl Durrell, obviously somebody who's spent quite a bit of time with. They'd stayed in touch, and uh, now he's an assistant head coach, and I think that he should be. I think he should be. Um, I think that when you look at why this offense could be successful this season, I think Phil McGagan's a big part of the reason why. First of all, obviously, because he can make those receivers better. But also because, I mean, you just listen to the way that people talk about him. You know, Mike Sanford talking about how, yeah, you go into his office and he always has football games on. Sometimes they're current football games. Sometimes they're games from the 80s or the 90s. And he's always just looking at football and seeing what guys did and seeing what worked and seeing if it sparks an idea. And just having that sort of presence around, that's valuable. Especially on a staff that's, you know... Uh, the the Lincoln Riley staff out in USC, you know Lincoln Riley's doing a lot of that heavy lifting with the offense. At least that's what you'd expect. The when when it comes time to build an offense to figure out what you're doing week in and week out, a lot of that is is going to be Lincoln Riley. The way CU wants to do it is have everybody sit down at the table, throw out ideas, figure out which ideas they like the best and which ones work together and work off of each other, and and build something for that week. Um, and in those situations, you know, that's where a position coach can exert more control over what this offense looks like. I think that having him around, you know, you know, Carl Durrell is the head coach. He's going to be involved. Mike Sanford is the offensive coordinator. He's going to have a lot of control. Um, Clay Patterson, the tight ends coach, he's, he's also the passing game coordinator, so he's going to be very involved. Phil McGagan now getting this promotion on top of just having more experience than all these guys, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's valuable as well. Um, so, so all these guys are going to be able to, to kind of have a bunch of input and 
I think that's a good thing. Um, I think that's most of my thoughts on the situation. Definitely congrats to Phil, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode, and then I'm about to start recording another, so listen to that one too. I'm sure it'll be fun.